Are you ready for the word this morning? I'm excited to share uh, excited to share this morning. So in talking about what it means to follow Jesus, I promise this is here on purpose. I didn't decide to just bring Chris's really nice uh, bowl uh, up here. I promise it's here on purpose. Um, there, no, I was not going to. That would have been that would have been really mean. Uh, here you go, Cliff. Um, no, I, I, I just, you know, I was, I continue to dive into like this, what it means for us to follow Jesus. And we've talked about it the last probably five or six weeks. Um, and I really think this is intentional for us, especially in today's time. I'm sure all of y'all have been following the news overseas, what's been going on in Israel and the Middle East. And, and, you know, it, it's just to me, like the Bible tells us all this stuff is going to happen. Um, and I think as Christians, it's important for us to understand how we pray, but also I think how we prepare ourselves for what, you know, what is upcoming, right? Like it's not just something that we want to put by the wayside. How do we prepare ourselves for what the Lord is going to do um, before he comes? So we've talked a lot of, about a lot of things. I'm not going to go into detail or in depth about what we've covered the last few weeks um, put them up. Uh, all the sermons are, are online um, if you want to listen. But to, uh, we've been talking about what it means to follow Jesus, that we need to understand his grace for us, that we need to take up our own cross and follow him. If we want to lose our life or if we want to gain our life with him, we need to lose it. Uh, he is our good shepherd, our protector. He keeps us from harm. He is the way, the truth, and the life. All of those things, right? And then last week we talked about the three things that he told Peter to care for his or to feed his lambs, to care for his sheep, and to feed his sheep. Well, this week we're going to continue studying in the book of John. I promise we're not just, I'm not pulling a lot of stuff out of here because we're studying this in our Bible study or our life groups, but um, I want you all to turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Uh, and there's some significance to why this is up here today. Uh, so turn with me to John chapter 13. We're going to, we're going to start reading in verse 3. So, uh, a little prelude to where we are in the book of John. Uh, Jesus and his disciples are preparing for his final Passover meal, the Last Supper. Um, and his disciples had just gotten done arguing about who was the greatest among them. And we'll, I'll talk a little bit about more why that's important. But we're going to start in John chapter 13, verse 3. Um, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Feel free to follow along in whichever translation you have. It says... Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet, Jesus replied. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Jesus, Simon Peter explained, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has, who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not 
all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So before we dive into the scripture and like what, what Jesus is really saying here, I want to explain some background on what it meant and why people washed their feet, right? Just their feet. Many of you maybe know this, but I think it's important for us to go over again. So back in the biblical times, everybody wore what? They didn't have Nike sneakers. They wore sandals. They wore sandals, right? How many of y'all ever wore, a, you know, wore sandals to like a dry, dusty place? Maybe it's a, a county fair or something like that. You get home and your feet are disgusting. My kids don't like to wear shoes ever in the summer. They run outside barefoot all the time. Even if it just rained, they'll run outside barefoot and they'll come in and their feet are covered in mud and covered in like grass. And we have to say, stop, go to the bath and wash your feet because we don't want you know, dirty feet everywhere, right? So you, your feet get really nasty really quickly. Well, the same was true for the disciples and those that were living in Jesus' time because they all wore sandals and they wore sandals everywhere they went. So you can imagine walking all day, dry, dusty, dirty ground, your feet would get pretty nasty. You go, oh, okay, that's fine. You just wash them when you're done, right? Well, I want to give some context to what is happening in this situation. So we know it's the Last Supper. We know that the disciples are gathering with Jesus. In that time, and, and what, how they describe the table that the disciples sat around, they weren't sitting around like a high-top kitchen table. They were sitting on a table low to the ground. Some people believe that it was in, in the shape of a U and all the disciples were gathered around the U. And what would happen is they would all sit, literally sit on the ground with their feet around them. So imagine see, sitting around your best friends around a low table. All of them have dirty feet eating food next to them, right? Like that would be kind of a, a dirty thing, a nasty thing. You wouldn't probably want to do that, right? So they would wash their feet because nobody would want to, see and look at dirty feet but also probably smell your feet if you're trying to eat food so that's why this was important typically in homes that had uh, some wealth or well-to-do it was a slave that would be the one that would wash the feet of any guests that would come into their home in more of a modest home the, the host would provide a basin of water and you would wash your own feet but in in those that were wealthy or well-to-do uh, you could think of like a king or a queen or somebody that uh, was in high authority in the government they would have a slave wash everyone's feet um, and it was considered the lowliest of jobs it wasn't like oh you get to wash everyone's feet it was like oh have someone's they're, they're the lowest slave have them be the one that washes their feet because i mean imagine like somebody walking all day dirty feet and your job is to wash and clean their feet like there was no nail brushes back then it was just kind of nasty right it was a low 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 job and i know i had, I had mentioned earlier that the disciples had just come out of this conversation and it's we don't you don't see it in the book of john but if you turn to the book of luke in luke 22 you find that the disciples had just come out of a conversation around 
who was the greatest among them. And typically in these meal type environments, whoever was, I don't, I, I don't know how you, you say this, but whoever had the most authority outside of the host would sit closest to the host. So if you were, uh, you know, high in the government, whatever, you would, and, and had significance or importance, you would sit as close to the host as possible. So you can imagine they're all sitting around this table arguing, I'm better than you, and I, better, I get to sit closer to Jesus. I get to do all of these things. And what does Jesus do? He stands up, and I could just picture this. Them having this argument, Jesus hearing it, and he stands up, he wraps a towel or a garment around his waist, and he gets down and he starts to wash the feet of the disciples in front of him. So imagine how Jesus felt in this moment. He's serving them, right? I like to think about how the disciples felt in this moment. Think about it. Arguing with your friends about who's the best. Who's the best disciple? I'm more holy than you are. Jesus likes me more. And then all of a sudden, Jesus gets down and does the lowliest of things to his disciples. So let's talk about that a little bit. So we understand the context. We understand why they were doing what they were doing. Oftentimes in these table situations, there would be like a pillow that they would rest themselves against. That's how, they, that's how they ate. That's how they sat. So again, you can just kind of envision, picture what is happening in, in this, this situation. The significance is in most situations, you would never find a leader, a master, a king, doing this for people that came into his house, doing this for his friends, doing it for anybody. You would never see that. It would always be a job that would be delegated to a slave or to the lowliest of lows. Or if you weren't a king, it would be a job that you just delegated to whoever came into your house. So that's why it's so important. The disciples are arguing about who's best, and Jesus disregards that and says, it doesn't matter who's best. I'm here to serve you. And a reminder, this is right before Jesus is going to die. And he knows that. And yet, even up until that moment, he was not thinking about his own well-being. He was thinking about serving his disciples. He was thinking about serving his disciples. And again, thinking about it from the disciples' lens and what the disciples are going through, you can almost envision probably the shock and the awe as Jesus started to do this. Here they are bickering. Jesus probably does it. Maybe, maybe they pay attention and maybe they don't. He kind of goes and does what he needs to do and then starts washing their feet. You know, John, this moment in time must have been so significant to John as he's writing this book. Years after it happened. Because if you look at verse 4 and 5, he describes it very, very vividly. It says, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet. He could have just said, Jesus got up and started washing their feet. But he goes into detail around why he was doing and what he did. It must have been and left such a significant impact on John. But the thing is, is that's what Jesus does. He surprises us. He surprises us. As a leader, He surprises us. He does things that we wouldn't expect a king or a leader to do. 
Have you ever worked for a boss? Maybe in a job or, or you know, maybe you've, you've had a significant other, whatever it may be, that has done something that has just blown away your expectations. Like maybe it's a CEO of a company. And they come in and they're doing the dirtiest of jobs. They're coming in, they're sweeping, they're cleaning. And, you know, as a, as a, as a, a team member, whatever it may be, you're like, wow, the CEO is coming in and he's doing these things. It leaves an impact on you, right? Because if they can do it, well, I can do it. Oftentimes in our society, it's the opposite. Where those in leadership, those in authority would never do the menial tasks that are delegated to somebody else. But that's what Jesus' example gave us. As followers of Jesus, we're all leaders of something. We not, might not be a CEO of our, a company, but we are all leading our home. We're leading, if you have kids, you're leading your kids, you're leading yourself, your siblings, your family members, your friends, your relationships, whatever that might look like. Jesus is giving us an example of what it means to follow Him. It means that we look to others first. Even if we, maybe that task or that, that ask that we need to do is not something that we would want to do, trust me, I've changed more diapers in my life than anyone else. Don't, I, I, I look forward to the day that Lila is potty trained and I will not have to change any more diapers. But just because I'm a dad doesn't mean I can't change a diaper, right? Some people think that, oh, that's somebody else's job. Just because I'm a dad doesn't mean that I can't load the dishwasher and do the dishes and do the laundry. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, especially as men, I'm going to talk to them, like, we need to do our part. We, it, in, in a home, it is everyone's responsibility to maintain the home. It's not just a wife's job or a husband's job. It's a team, right? You, you work as a team. You serve each other. And this is such an example of what Jesus is showing us in this moment is he is choosing to serve his disciples. He could have easily like filled up a basin of water and said, here, y'all need to wash your feet. Your feet stink. But he didn't do that. He didn't just get them water because that would have been serving them as well. He could have just said, hey, I got you water. Y'all need to wash your feet. No, he went the extra step. Not only did he get the water, but he went around and washed each individual person's feet. I don't know if any of you have ever had this experience washing of your feet before in a service or whatever. I will never forget. I was 15. I was at summer camp. I never, I, I never really even paid much attention to the story of, of Jesus' life. And it was an incredible service. And all of a sudden, they said, you know what? We, we feel led that all of the leaders, the, the chaperones, the the leaders of the different youth groups, they're going to wash all of the youth's feet. I bawled so, like, it was such a moment that I was like, wow, I, I, the significance of it was incredible because I, my feet weren't dirty. I had shoes on, right? Like, I, I wasn't that I, I was going to go eat a meal, but it's just the, the sheer significance of somebody serving you in that way. And I can only imagine, again, for the disciples, maybe they didn't realize it in the moment. Maybe they just thought Jesus was doing something in, in the moment. And then as, as time went on and they reflected on it, they went, wow, that was, that was really significant. You know, I think this is such a good example of what it means for us to follow Jesus and how we're supposed to live our life when we follow Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about serving others. 
even when it doesn't feel like we, we should or we want to, it's all about serving others. And I think Jesus truly, throughout the course of his ministry, was shaking expectations away left and right. You can look at countless other examples in his ministry time where he is literally part of the Holy Trinity. He is God, right? He's fully man, but he's fully God. And he chooses to serve others over and over and over again. And the example that most people had of somebody in power, specifically religiously at the time, was the opposite. You serve me. You come and you serve me. You help me out. Jesus was flipping the script. No matter the situation or circumstance, I think this is a good example of what it means to follow Jesus. We should always, 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 always be looking for opportunities to serve others. To serve others. Whatever that may be. Maybe that's, you know, you're walking out of Target and you see the mom with two kids that's got 17 bags and you know, you're trying to get all into your car. Maybe it's stopping and helping that person load their bags in the car. It's a, it's a simple task as that. Again, washing, washing your feet was a very simple task. It wasn't something that, you know, we were talking this week in John chapter 2 where Jesus turned water into wine. That was a miracle, right? A miracle. Washing your feet is a very, very simple task. Everybody did it. But it's the significance of when he did it and how he did it. So we should always be looking for ways to, to serve others. Jesus could have had every right <coughs> being a leader, being a teacher, of saying, y'all need to wash your feet, then I need somebody to wash mine. Right? Uh, you, you all clean yourself up, then I want somebody to come and wash my feet. Besides, I'm your leader, I'm, I'm the teacher, y'all need to serve me. No, he, he did it the opposite. He did it the opposite. So again, we were talking about how the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest among them. And it's in Luke chapter 22 if you want to read that after today. And I'm sure that as they're having this conversation, again, Jesus is coming beside them, washing their feet. I can only imagine how silly they must have felt. Here they are, their teacher, their leader, is coming alongside them and washing their feet, serving them after they were just being prideful about who was best among them. And how often do we do that? Maybe not in a, I, I'm more of a Christian than you are, but in our own lives where we allow pride to get in the way of us truly serving others. Man, I, 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 don't, I can't do that. I don't know how or I, I, I don't, I don't want to do that or that might make me feel uncomfortable helping somebody. What if they... What if they think this about me? Or what if they think that about me? Or no, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's okay to have boundaries. But I think when Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, what does that mean? It means that we are to serve others even when we don't want to. Jesus truly wanted to show in this example not only that he was serving them, but also in their frailty, in their mistakes, in their pride, he was still there serving them. He could have said, y'all need to figure this out. I'm not dealing with you until you stop. No, he didn't do that. He showed so much grace to them 
in that situation. Romans 12, chapter 10 says this, and this is out of the Amplified Version. It says, Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. And I, I want to focus in on that giving precedence. So precedence means the condition of being considered more important than someone or something else. Priority, importance, order, or rank. Again, I'll read that again. The condition of being considered more important than someone or something else. Priority, importance, order, or rank. So you could say, if you replace the word precedence in the, in the translation there, you could say the last portion of the verse would say giving importance, priority, order, and rank to one another and showing honor to one another. So giving importance, significance to someone else over yourself. And now I want to look at how Peter responds to Jesus wanting to wash their feet. So if we think about it, Peter, Peter's such a unique guy. I know I spent a lot of time talking about Peter. He's fascinating to me. He says to Jesus, you absolutely will not wash my feet. Absolutely not. You're my teacher. I will, I will wash your feet. And Jesus says, if you're not going to allow me to wash your feet, you haven't figured it out yet. And then Peter says, well, give me a whole bath then, Lord. Right? He says, fine, if you were to wash my feet, wash my whole body, right? Peter couldn't see what Jesus was doing. He could only see it through the lens of his eyes of, oh no, I must have made a mistake. No, Lord, you, you can't do that. Why, why, would, why would we do that, right? Why, why would I allow you to do that? And again, a few, a few, a few moments later after this supper is done, Peter denies Jesus three times. And I can imagine, you know, Peter used to, he had some dialogue, I'm sure, with some of the disciples that he was Jesus' favorite. We, I, I joke because in John, like we were reading in John chapter 2 this week, the one that Jesus loved, right? That's how John refers to himself. So I wonder if there was some healthy competition between the disciples on who they thought Jesus cared for the most. You know, at the end of the day, Jesus loves all of us the same, right? There's no significance. There's no importance. He doesn't give one person precedence over another. He cares for us and loves us the same. But Peter couldn't wrap his mind around that. He thought, no, 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 there's got to be a favorite. All of y'all might not admit it if you have kids, but there's probably a child, one of your kiddos, that you connect with better. You could say it's your favorite. I love all of my kids the same. But there's probably one or two of them that I you know, do things with more, more frequently than the other. That doesn't mean I love the other kiddos differently. It just That's just naturally how it goes, right? So I'm sure that they're saying, well, there's 12 of us here. Jesus has to have a favorite. He has to have one of us that's more important or more significant than the other. He's going to ask us, one of us, to do more. He's going to call one of us to do more. And we can fall into this trap of comparison, of comparing what we're doing to what the other person is doing. And Jesus cares for me more because He, he, gave, he likes them more because oh, they had a vision yesterday or they got, they got a prophetic word yesterday. Why didn't I get one? And you fall into this trap of comparison that you're not worthy enough or God doesn't use you enough or you're not Christian enough or you must have sinned too much 
for God to use you in a way. And you can see even some of that coming through to Peter in this conversation. No, Lord, I, you, I, you can't wash my feet. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm not worthy enough for that. No, no, no. I, I, I will do that. And how often do we do that where the Lord asks us to do something or He wants to do something for us and we go, oh, no, 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 no. My past is too dirty to allow you to do that. You can't clean me up. No, you can't do that. I've, I've made too many mistakes in my life. I've missed it too many times. And you lose, you lose out on an opportunity where Jesus is saying, look, I just want to come in and be with you. I just want to come in and, and I want you to allow me to wash your feet. I want you to allow me to clean that up in your life. I want you to allow me to take that away from you. And we're so resistant at times. Somewhat out of pride. No, 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 I, I, I can't give that to you. No, I don't want you to take that from me. That's just who I am. That's a part of me. It's my insecurity. You can't have that. No, absolutely not. I, that's, that's a part of who I am. And Jesus is just saying, look, I want to clean you up. I want to be able to take that away from you and not have you resist it. So here Peter's having this conversation with him. Jesus kindly corrects him. Well, if you, if you, you don't know what I'm doing, right? He says in verse, I want to say it's verse 7. You don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Jesus was giving an example of, I'm here to take all of your things away. You might look clean from head to your ankles, but your feet are dirty. And sometimes as Christians, right, like we allow Jesus to clean up the areas that we want him to clean up in our lives. We allow him to, hey, Lord, help me with my finances. I want help with my finances. I, I know I, I give that to you, Lord. Or, hey, Lord, I, I, I've, I've struggled with gossip in the past. I, I, wanna, I don't want that anymore. Take that away. And he does. But maybe there's that one thing. There's that one thing in your life that you hold on to, that you're holding on to, that you're like, Lord, I don't want to give this to you anymore because I don't know what my life would look like if I did give that to you. It might be time. I can't give you my time right now, Lord. Like, I've got too much going on in my life. How am I supposed to give you my time? How am I supposed to do that? I can't do that. My life's already crazy busy. I'll give you my time when I'm retired, when I don't have two jobs, when I don't have young kids at home, when I don't have school to do, or when I don't have... You might be holding on to that. It might be an addiction. It might be something in your life that you're like, you know, Lord, I know you want to take that from me, but I don't know how I would not do that. It might be fear or worry or anxiety. You've given everything else to him, but you still hold on to that. What if? What if? And you're striving in your own power to solve it, to fix it. I'll do it. I'll fix it. No, no, no. I'll do it. And Jesus is saying, if you just allow me to clean it up, your, your, your feet will be clean, but your life will be clean as well. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross for every aspect of us. He didn't die on the cross to forgive this, this, and that. Oh, but not this. It was 100%. I know I've used this analogy in the past, but he died, and it's, it's like a, you know, the chalkboard, right? The chalkboard example where you used to, 
Anybody have to smash the chalkboard erasers together in elementary school? And you'd come back and you have dust all over your shirt, right? It's kind of like that, though. You'd, you'd erase the, the, the uh, chalkboard, but you could still see the remnant of what was there. Whereas with the whiteboard, usually if you clean it with like the, the, the spray bottle stuff, it, it looks brand new. You can't see any residue from it. Jesus wants to take all of that. He doesn't want you to hold on to things that are maybe holding you back, are causing you to stay where you are. And all of us have different things. I think you, if, if I were to ask all of you, hey, what's one thing that you maybe struggle with over time? All of you all probably give a different answer. Maybe it was something, and, and or, what was something in your past that you struggled with that the Lord redeemed you from, that you gave to Him? You could probably all answer that in a different way as well. The point is, Jesus wants us to give him those things. He wants us to give those things, to lay them down at his feet, to allow him to get in and clean those areas up in our life. And, you know, Peter really challenges Jesus in this moment. He challenges him. He challenges him and says, no, Lord, I, you cannot do that to me. Absolutely not. You can't do that. And I would ask, did he challenge him out of humility or out of pride? Did he challenge him out of humility or pride? My assumption, my guess is that it was out of pride. And maybe a little embarrassment. Right? They were just having this conversation about who was greatest among them. And now all of a sudden they're discussing, well, oh no, oh goodness, why were we talking about that? No, Jesus, you can't do that. And how often in our lives does Jesus want to do something for us and out of pride or maybe embarrassment we say, no, no. Or maybe, not even with Jesus, maybe it's sometimes in your relationships with your spouse or a significant other, right? Where somebody wants to serve you and you say, no, you can't do that. Why would you do that for me? Why would you do that for me? I know I'll, I'll use a, a relevant example. She is, uh, she is an incredible wife. She serves people more than, than she ever sh- serves herself. And sometimes I'll have a busy week. Life will be crazy. You know, work is busy. I'll get home and she'll make dinner for our family. And I know she's had a long day with the kids She's tired, she's exhausted, and yet she's still continuing to serve. And there are moments that I want to say, no, 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 no. Let's just go out to dinner tonight. I know you had a hard, hard day. And I'm, I'm stealing the fact that she wants to serve me and she also wants to serve our kids. And I'm taking that away from her because that's what she wants to do. And if I go in and I say, no, 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 you, don't, you had a long day. You know, sometimes that might be received like, oh, good, I'm glad. Like, let's just go get a pizza. And sometimes it's a, I know I had a long day, but I want to serve you. In relationships, in friendships. Sometimes we try to muscle it and do it on our own. We got long days, hard days. And all of a sudden we're in a situation that somebody wants to serve us and we feel guilty because they're serving us and we should be serving them. We should be serving them. We should be helping them. We should be doing all these things. When you're serving somebody, you want to make sure that your heart is doing it for the right reasons. Right? 
Not out of guilt or pride or embarrassment. You want to do it because that's what you want to do. And I know I mentioned this earlier, but the best bosses that I have ever had, when I think back on my, I've worked at Target 17 years, uh, but even outside of Target, any, any sort of leader that I've had, my mom was my boss actually once. Um, she was a great boss. Uh, any sort of leader or manager that I had, the best bosses had no problem doing the least of the jobs, right? The least of the jobs. They would come in, and if they had to plunge the toilet, they were out there with their gloves on plunging the toilet. And if they needed to go do something else, whatever it may be, at at Target, you know, kiddos throw up or whatever, the best bosses aren't just the ones that are delegating, oh, that's somebody else's job. They're over there helping out with anything or everything, right? Those are the people that leave an impact in your life. Why? Because they serve no matter what. They give you and they serve you no matter what, no matter the situation or circumstance. Those are the best leaders, the ones that lead by example and the ones that are willing to do whatever, right? Maybe you're a a leader of people yourself and you've had an opportunity to reflect on that. Now, I think there's a balance between leading well and doing everything and trying to do everything and leading well and understanding where you can lean in versus versus not but i think it's important to understand that the best bosses the best leaders the best managers don't ever put themselves on a pedestal and say that's below me and jesus gives us that example in this in this um in this moment in time the biggest thing that he shows us is that it's not about us it's only about him it's not about you Jesus didn't make it about him. He did not say, I'm better than you, and because I'm better than you, you should serve me. No. He looked at it and flipped the script. He said, no. I might be God. I am God. I am the Son of God. But regardless of that, I am here to serve you, not for you to serve me. He made it about caring for those that were in his care. Even, even though he knew that one of his disciples was going to betray him, Peter couldn't see that. He couldn't see what Jesus was modeling. He couldn't see the different things that were happening. It was foreign, not just to Peter, but I think to his disciples. And remember, they had just spent three years with Jesus. It's not like this was the first time they had met him. They knew who he was. They knew his character. They knew the different things that he brought to the table. They knew how he led. And yet, they were still shocked, in awe, that Jesus would wash their feet. You know, we, we hear of Peter's example of him talking to Jesus about it. But I'm sure maybe other disciples had similar responses. No, you can't do that. You can't wash my feet. Remember, it was a slave's job to wash the feet of those that came into a house. A slave's job, and the lowest of those jobs. And that's what Jesus showed us, is he is willing to do whatever it takes to serve those that follow him. No matter the job, no matter the situation. And he truly wants to transform every area of our life. He doesn't want it to just be partial. He wants, us, he wants to transform every area of our life. He wants to allow Him into every aspect of our life and let Him clean it up. 
And that's what we're called to do. Getting back to this whole series, as followers of Jesus, that's what we're called to do. When we choose to follow Him, when we make a declaration and we say, God, I'm turning from my previous ways and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. What are we saying? We're saying that we give Him full authority in our lives to change, rearrange, redirect anything that needs to be. And that can be scary. That can be daunting. Again, whether you come to know Jesus at an early age or as an adult, maybe later in life, when you make that commitment, you're giving Him the authority to change your life. And how cool is that? That He comes in and doesn't come in barging like a bull. He comes in gently. He doesn't come in and say, all right, all this stuff's got to go. He will move things and change things in your life. He will make you into, into what He has asked and called you to do. But He doesn't do it in a way that is forceful or aggressive. He does it gently. Just in this example, He does it gently. He comes in and washes you and cleans you and, and takes the time to explain to you and show you why He's doing that. Not out of condemnation. He doesn't come in and condemn you every time that you make a mistake. He doesn't say, oh, back to square one. No. He comes in and gently, hey, next time make this decision. Next time I want you to think about this. Next time don't lose it. Stay calm. Whatever it may be. Whatever you're dealing with. He wants to come in and transform our lives. And following Jesus means allowing Him to do that. It means allowing Him to take what He needs to take out of your life and not picking it back up again. You know, it's not one of those like, all right, I'm going to set my baggage here and I'm going to walk over here and I'm going to see it and go, I know it's still over there. No, when we do that, we take our bag, imagine a suitcase, we set it here and we say, Jesus, roll it away. I don't want to see it anymore. Right? It's gone. We don't leave it and then pick it up again which is really easy to do. We leave it and we walk away. We leave it and we walk away. He, we give it to Him. I know we've talked about who, how Jesus is our great shepherd several times over the last week and why that's so significant. Imagine a shepherd that had a herding sheep and just left them be. That wouldn't be a very good shepherd, right? He would care for them. He would, if they were wounded, he would you know, wrap their wounds. He would do everything to nurture that sheep back to health. He wouldn't say, no, no, no. You know, they're a lost cause. That sheep, we're just going to leave them out to pasture. It's fine. They'll have to just fend for themselves. No, no, no. He doesn't. He does everything in His power to care for us. To bind us. To wrap us up. Our wounds, the things that are going on in our life. One thing that I think just to kind of wrap this up today, there's so much conversation around mental health in our society, right? Different things that, that are going on today that maybe have been going on for a long time that just weren't talked about. And mental health is a real thing, right? Like I'm not going to say that other people aren't dealing with things. But one thing that I think we as Christians need to remember is 
that our mental health isn't tied to just us figuring it out. Our mental health is allowing Jesus to come in and help us with that. I've dealt with things mentally in my past that I've had to give to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know how to fix this. Fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, frustration, offense. All of that stuff is all mental. If you're offended by somebody, you're not walking up and saying, I'm offended by you every day. No, that offense just plays back in your mind over and over and over and over and over again. And if you don't allow Jesus to take that and go, I'm giving that to you, I'm not thinking about it anymore, it will play back in your mind over and over and over and over and over again. Maybe it's worry. I know I've had that. If you're worried about something and you don't give it to the Lord and say, I'm just giving this to you, it will play over and over. It will literally consume your life. It will. It will consume your life. Every area of your life will be consumed by the worry of what could happen. That's another thing. Jesus wants to take that. Do you trust him with it? Do you trust him to clean you up from that? I think this is just such a good example of a time when Jesus didn't meet, he didn't match the expectations that his disciples had for him. He didn't. He went against the expectations, right? And he continues to do that in our own lives. So many of us, all of us, aren't deserving because of all the mistakes we've made. But that's not what the story's about. The story's that no matter whether we're deserving or not, whether we're worthy or not, Jesus is. And when we allow him to come into our life, when we allow him to change and transform our life, no matter the state that we're in, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, Jesus doesn't change. And his worth and who he is and what he did for us trumps all of that. So in your head, you might expect yourself to go, no, I'm not good enough. Well, it doesn't matter that you're not good enough. None of us are. Jesus is. He is good enough. He cares and loves for us so much.